Hello, and welcome to the CEO Blindspot Show, where leaders lead leaders. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Mark Householder. He's the president of Athletes in Action. And Mark, you currently have a team of over 1,000 people in over 60 countries, and I'm so excited to have you on our show because every leader knows that business is a team sport. I also happen to know that you played football at University of Cincinnati, where you went to school and you got your civil engineering degree there. And that's when you were first put in touch with Athletes in Action. And fast forward, here you are president. So welcome to our show. And I'm going to turn it over to you because overall, you look like just a star athlete and have had all kinds of fantastic things you've done there and lots of interesting partnerships with the NFL, including you guys partnered with them on the Super Bowl breakfast and give the annual Bart Starr Award to the NFL athlete with the best character. But to our listeners, were you born perfect or can you take the show from here and kind of tell us about your journey? And welcome. Thank you, Birgit. It's a privilege to be with you today. And hopefully by the end of the time on this podcast, the listeners will understand I was born far from perfect because this is about blind spots, right? And uh, (laughs) when you first reached out to me, I thought, my goodness, I've got so many. I don't even think I would qualify to have anything positive to say. My wife and I have been with Athletes in Action, which is the sports ministry of Crew formerly called Campus Crusade for Christ, for uh, 38 years for me and 35 for my wife. So we've given our lives into the nonprofit space and committed as missionaries to helping athletes experience a relationship with God and be on a journey that I believe is very significant. It's uh, very worthwhile. It's eternal in nature and, and really helping athletes and coaches learn how to give their lives away. So it's a very, very fulfilling career that we've had with Athletes in Action. Yes. And here, we are today in these challenging times. So tell us a little bit about some of your challenges. Well, I've got to tell you, Birga, getting used to all these Zoom calls, and that's been a bit challenging, but I'm committed to learn how to use the technology as as well as I can. And so I think that's gone relatively well, but that's been the past two months, a pretty big transition of how do you do these Zoom calls and audio visual calls really, really well. Not just technology-wise, right? But when are too many Zoom calls too many? Yeah, that's a great question. There was one week staying at home, working out of the office. I had 30 hours of video conferencing and it was pretty easy to conclude at the end of that week. That was too much for me. So I've pretty much put a, a limit of 20 hours a week uh, in my calendar, and that, that's been a lot more manageable. But I am a bit of a fan, although a, a novice fan of uh, neuroscience, and there's been some interesting things written from a neuroscience perspective on what happens to us when we spend a lot of time on the Zoom calls and things like that. And it's not the best way that... Uh, our creator has created us or designed us to communicate. And there's so many nuances in communication, the nonverbal, the facial expressions, the gesturing, that just doesn't quite translate in a virtual context. And therefore, our words become even more and more important and crucial. And so we put so much energy into the words that the energy drain and demand of that over time takes a toll. So it's good to know that I'm not going crazy. I'm not I'm not weird about this, but it, there's some really good reasons why at the end of a day or at end of a week with all these virtual calls that I'm, I'm really, really tired. So 
Well, thanks for sharing that extra little piece of knowledge because you're right. A lot of leaders feel like they shouldn't be tired, but they are tired after so many Zoom calls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now your own journey, you didn't start off as president at Athletes in Action. So tell us a little bit about some of the challenges you faced as a leader as you grew as a leader to get to the point you are now. In 38 years, I've done a lot within the organization. I've worked at the campus level with uh, student athletes at a, at, at a university level. I've worked with professional athletes over the years. I've worked with primarily a lot of staff, campus staff in the U.S., our staff that serve as chaplains throughout uh, major league sports. I had a about a 10-year time frame where I worked exclusively outside the U.S., even though I lived in the U.S., so I had a, a, a lot of international experience. And so I've had the benefit of coming into this current role with a lot of experience in the organization. But one of the things that I realized about 10 years ago as I transitioned into the the role called president was that I needed some different growth experiences and because the the stuff that began to hit me in this new role I'd never really experienced before and I needed some new new capacities some new competencies because the demands of reality had just increased and I was largely not prepared for some of those and so I had to get into some additional growth processes identify more of what I needed to meet the demands of reality so the past 10 years have been very rich for me and my own growth experience. And so I'm grateful that I am in an organization that values that and supports that and creates the opportunities for that to happen. So I've been the beneficiary of a a lot of people's kindness and speaking into my life and mentoring and coaching. So that is indeed a, a huge blessing. It used to kind of happen naturally or or you would, you know, ask people to mentor you, but everyone's so busy. Did you, was your mentoring mostly from the inside, the outside, both? Yeah, it was both. I needed a lot of mentoring. So, uh, you know, some <laughs> of it was uh, very professional based and, and fee based and, and I'm glad I really stepped into that. And there's one cohort that uh, started about eight years ago that continues on to this day more on a, a volunteer voluntary basis where I step into a a monthly opportunity with another group of leaders and we just really unpack the leadership journey. We're honest, we're transparent, we're vulnerable with each other. Uh, We support each other. Uh, Everybody in the group is leading something that's way bigger than themselves. And uh, we found some really good ways to support each other. So I've got a good cohort of current other leaders that are outside of Athletes in Action, which I think is very important for me that I get a lot of my needs met and a lot of resourcing from uh, people outside of AIA. And probably people who are willing to tell you the truth, um, not worried about whether you're going to like them or not. Yeah, and that's been one of the one of the unique parts of my journey that I've I've had to really, I guess, further reckon with because I came into you know my adult life with some strengths and abilities and some some desires, and so I'm a I'm an Enneagram one, which means I I'm bent toward perfectionism. My number one talent and strength finder is responsibility, and so I love to be good. Inherently, I think I'm good. I want to be right, and I I want to take responsibility for things. That get better and better and better. When you're uh, in a president's role, you tend to get some feedback from time to time that indicates that you're not all that good and that you're not always right. And so I've had to really work on how do I take in feedback that has been difficult 
It's been hard. It's been painful, discouraging. And that's one of the things I've really had to step into and learn some skills and some and some capacities and even look at some of my internal character structure and learn how to how to handle this better and see feedback particularly negative feedback as a as a friend and an ally of my my leadership journey. Well, that's quite a feat. You know, you're also a civil engineer and traditionally, uh, I mean, I don't know this for sure, but I can guess that therefore, you know, one of your challenges or blind spots might have been related to people. So how did you discover your mm. blind spot? Um, I'd say blind spots. Um, so uh, but 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 I think <laughs> we want to focus on one of them and and that is the the relationship I've had with feedback, particularly negative feedback, and certainly just so thankful for my wife, Marianne, who's been far ahead of me in the what I'd say the growth journey, the growth process, particularly as it relates to relationships. Beer good. I've I've always been pretty good on the task side, and you know that would speak to my engineering, my engineering yeah. training, and my engineering mind and things like that. But it's um, when you're working in a nonprofit's uh, space with a thousand employees in sixty countries around the world. It takes a much deeper capacity and set of skills and abilities relationally to effectively execute your role. So mm -hmm. I'm in process with this. I've I've learned some things even recently as Athletes in Action has done some pretty extensive surveying and uh, engagement with our staff on how how they view the organization and how they personally engage or not engage with things. And so that's, I've seen some really positive things happen in my own journey in the last 12 months or so. And can you share one of the specifics that you discovered about yourself that surprised you and, and any adjustments you've made? About a year and three months or so ago, this would be March of 2019, we conducted an organization-wide survey and, and asked every one of our staff to take a 60-question survey regarding how they engage in the organization. So there, there was a couple things that came out of that. Number one, only 24% of the staff engaged in the survey, and it only took 15 minutes. So the designers mm. of the survey uh, said right away, that shows that your staff are largely disengaged. And then secondly, they said some things about me and leadership that were very hard and difficult to hear. They needed more information about how critical decisions are made. And so they, they felt like there was a real gap in communication in the organization, which resulted in a lack of trust. They felt like they needed more of me more availability, more presence, more relationship. And so, and the overall score that was a part of this tool or uh, uh, assessment was very, very low. In fact, it was would be considered redlining or uh, we would be an ICU uh, in a medical mm -hmm. context. <laughs> so that was a really mm -hmm. hard yeah. time for me to do a couple things. One, look internal to me and say, okay, I've got some choices here. I can't kick the can down the road. I can't blame anybody else. This is quote unquote, my organization. I've been stewarding this and, and been the person in the president's role for 10 years now. And so this is largely about how am I going to respond and what, what do I need to do? And so I had to do some really uh, deeper level uh, work. And so go back to that cohort I mentioned. My cohort heard a lot about this and really provided some great coaching and some feedback to me. And I got to a point where I could better work with my executive team. We just turned and we faced the feedback. 
And we, in essence, said, uh, this could hurt, but it's not going to harm us. We're going to be okay. As painful as this as this mm-hmm. is, we're going to be okay. And we're going to be together on this. And so we started building a plan. And one of the plans was to create, in essence, town hall meetings. And so we created these 20-some platforms where staff could further talk about their experience. And one of my responses, Birgit, to the feedback was, wow, tell me more. And our goal as a team and me Mm. personally was to communicate to the staff that it's important to us and a priority that they are known and valued and that they matter and they are needed in the organization. And that really was a framework and a context for which we engaged in their feedback and some really additional things came out of that. We've taken the same instrument, the same assessment uh, a year later and our scores have improved remarkably. Uh, We still have a lot of work to do, but I found that the whole feedback journey for me was a I think God was using it to create a deeper level of growth in my own life, dependency upon him and a valuing of my colleagues and my and my teammates. Yes. So once again, business is a team sport, isn't it? Really it really <laughs> is. It really is. And the team, the, the executive team that I'm a part of, which is about 14 or 15 colleagues, did a phenomenal job. They all played a part. We all went at, after this together. And it was a, a really uh, exciting thing to see us unified against some really honest, hard, painful feedback about us as leaders. Well, I certainly appreciate your character. I know that your organization does the Bart Starr Award, but I feel like you guys should have that internally too, right? Because it takes a lot to make adjustments, not just to hear the feedback, but then to make the adjustments. And had you not done that, you wouldn't be experiencing the current success. And I don't know, you know, as we wrap up, I don't know if you can share maybe one or the two successes you've had, including the latest one with the retail store. You know, you've got another one with the Arise with the guys. Yeah, I'd love to. We've had a local event up in Minneapolis for a number of years. It's uh, been hosted at a local church. And because of the situation we're in, they made a complete pivot and they basically created the same platform of programming, but they took it virtually. And so it it included uh, NFL Hall of Fame coach Tony Dungy, Kirk Cousins, who's the starting quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings, uh, a few of the Minnesota Twins and University of Minnesota Gopher football players that had a phenomenal football season last year. And uh, they, they put this platform out on a, on a virtual platform. And, and it was, I think, 50,000 devices that uh, they, they can account for. And so a tremendous job of taking an event that would have normally been canceled, but the team made a pivot to a different reality. And then you referenced Decathlon, which is the largest uh, sporting good retail world, which company, uh, but they've invited us to be a teaching partner, particularly as it relates to their stores and their scope in India. And uh, so we'll come onto their platform and be a teaching partner, particularly in the area of sports performance. And, uh, you know, every athlete, regardless of what level, faster and stronger. And so uh, this is one step uh, of being a partner with them in sports performance that we hope down the road will lead to more steps uh, toward our mission, which has more of a spiritual emphasis behind it. So 
we've seen some really good things happen in the midst of this pandemic, and it's been fun to fun to see the work that we've done over the past number of years uh, on facing feedback and stepping into disharmony and saying, hey, this we can find a way through this. Let's work together. Let's chart a path and let's value and support our staff and just keep listening and honoring their feedback. Yeah. So it sounds like you've just given us the gold, so to speak, in terms of advice for other leaders. Um, would you say it's around feedback and pivoting? What, what would you say the number one thing for others to consider right now? Yeah, I think the number one thing is, and I used the word just in a moment ago, disharmony. Disharmony as it relates to negative feedback, it's okay. It can be a tremendous gift if it's handled appropriately, if it's received well, unpacked, and fully understood. It can be a tremendous blessing to leaders personally and organizations as a whole. Wow. Well, thank you so much for having the character, so to speak, to be willing to receive feedback and then share it. We're now on this podcast, really all can hear about it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and you've obviously made the adjustments and you have pivoted during times of crisis, like you said, you know, created some amazing partnerships. So if people want to find out more about you, I'll point them to your website. And there is a particular place on there called Delay of Game, which is a series of videos and downloads that help athletic-minded people deal with the current implications of the pandemic. So I like how you put athletic-minded people because that is true, right? Again, business is a team sport and we all, it's easy to look at all the challenges and not figure out how to create new opportunities. So I'm going to hand the show back over to you, Mark, to wrap up for us for today. But thank you again so much for being on the show and being so open about everything you've learned and including your own blind spots. Well, thanks, Birgit. It's been a joy to converse with you over a topic like this. And uh, let me remind you and your listeners, this is one of my blind spots. And so I've got, I've got additional ones. So maybe uh, a future conversation, we can unpack one of them. Oh, is that an invitation? Because we would love to have you back. <laughs> and you well, just said this publicly, Mark. So thank you. Yeah, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> and thank you listeners for listening.